chapter 4. We're, um, this morning we're talking about um, changed people change people or changing people change people. And, and it's going to be a little bit of a, a mini theme for the next couple of weeks where we're going to talk a little bit about how change or how our being changed actually changes the world around us or, or how our changing changes the world around us. And um, this morning I'm just going to lead you um, in this reading and then um, we're going to share with you and I'm going to get Luke up to share a little bit as well. So Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verses 17 to 24 and it goes like this now. This I say and testify in the Lord. This is Paul speaking. That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice and every kind of impurity. Impurity. That's what the world's like. That's what you were like. But that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirits of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And skip over, I'm going to just into the next chapter of Ephesians. I want to read a few verses there. Uh, Verses 15 to 20 of uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And this is Paul's letter and he continues, he's speaking to them still and he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine for that's debauchery but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church to encourage them. And we've talked about Ephesians before and I'll I'll touch on it again. You know, we, we, we know the saying, we know the saying, don't we, that hurt people hurt people. Have you ever heard that saying? You know, and, and the saying, changed people, change people. And that, that's true. Those, those sayings are true. And, and this morning, we just want to push that, that a little bit further. And, and, and I'd want to say, changing people, change people. And that that's our purpose as followers of Christ. And, and that's what I want to have a look at this morning. You know, we, Paul's talking to the Ephesians, and we've talked about the Ephesian church before. It's a, it was a difficult place. It was not an easy place to be God's people. It was affluent, it was um, uh, the temple of Artemis and, and I've talked about that before. It had all sorts of people with influence coming in and taking, taking leadership in the church but not really being filled with God or not really knowing or understanding the gospel or not really being agents of God and, and bringing in all sorts of weird teaching. Uh, there was all sorts of cultural norms and, and things that, that were really, you know, um, to say the least, unbiblical and certainly didn't um, reflect what the people of, of God should look, for, look like. So here's a church that Paul had left behind um, with, with the, the command or, or the encouragement uh, 
to, to change their society, to recognise that they'd been changed and to change their world. And um, this was a huge struggle. It was a happening place. It was the place to be. I've said this once before, you know, it, it was probably in a time, it was the most livable city in the world. And, you know, we, we live there now in Melbourne, don't we? The most livable city in the world. So in that sense, it was the right place for the gospel to take root. Paul knew what he was doing going there, or God knew what he was doing sending Paul there to establish the church. It was the right place for the gospel to take root. You see, these people that that Paul had left there, they were followers of Christ and they had been changed by the gospel. They started a church together with Paul and then they were left with a mandate to move people in following Christ. Where have you heard that before? That was their mandate too, and that's our mandate. They were left there to move people to be followers of Christ, to influence their society, to influence their world with this new message of hope. And that kind of meant the society, even their families, um, and all of the contexts they were in. Paul had left them there with that new message, which was fresh and new, which was radical, this, this Jesus and, and this message of hope, this, this eternal life, and and how it changed them, it was supposed to go out and change society around them. And they were struggling with that. Because it was becoming apparent that having been changed wasn't cutting it, wasn't enough. They needed to be continually changing. They needed to be continually remembering what God had done, remembering why they were there, remembering who Jesus was. They needed to appropriate that in their lives, in their families, and, and, and exercise it and talk about it. All that in order to influence their society. And so that's why Paul writes this letter. You know, the language we saw in our text, in our text where he says, to put off the old self and to be made new. That wasn't a once-only, in the sense that Paul was speaking, it was this continually, continue to put off your old self. Continue that process of being made new. You've got to not just keep working on the revelation of the past. It's, it's got to be, you can't just work on, you were changed back then and it should work automatically now. You need to continue to do that. And in chapter 5, you know, be filled with the Spirit. The essence there is being filled, continue to be filled all the time, continue to access and be filled and renewed by the Spirit. You see, the gospel is the power of change. We believe that, don't we? Who believes that? Be a little bit African. Who, who, who really believes that? You know, the gospel is the power to change, isn't it? You know, I did my, um, <laughs> I was thinking, of that. I did my pro-faith something like about 35 years ago. I know, right? I did it at three. <laughs> You know, so <laughs> I could say that I was changed by the gospel then, and, or I could find uh, you know uh, other points, and and you could do the same. You know, you might say that you have a story or, or a point where the, where the gospel changed you, and, and that's where it begins. There's a couple of things for us to look at. First thing and most important is the gospel. The gospel, the good news, does bring and is change. You've got to, but we've got to believe that. We've got to know that in our own life. And we've got to know that it's powerful. The gospel is powerful. You know, this whole—I think I've told the story before. The whole where the word gospel in the old Roman sense was when the the leader of Rome would send, you know, where he'd send his people to to take a city. 
And to take a city meant to, to first conquer it, to get rid of all its influences, to kill the people of influence, to get rid of and to actually transplant the values of, of the mother of the old Roman city into this new town where they were and to transplant it and to work it and to change the minds and hearts and the values of people. And when that was done, they would send a messenger back to the Caesar or so and say, this is the good news of the gospel. Change has happened and it's actually self-perpetuating. And that's the essence of the gospel. And so the gospel does bring change. We know the gospel of Jesus Christ brings change and it's powerful. Second thing it changed and keeps on changing you. But that's not just to stay inside you. It was always meant to be good news. It was always meant that Herald was supposed to be going out. There was always meant to be that good news going out of you to change the world and to change others. And it's clear in the word. You know, Jesus says in Matthew, live such good lives that the people will give glory to God. And Peter says it uh, in, in his letters, you know, same thing. Live such good lives among the pagans so they can't help but give glory to God. They can't help but point to who God is. So the gospel was always meant to change us, but continue to change us. And the third thing is understood and responded to properly, it is always changing us. And that takes surrender. So the point is that we need to be changed and we need to be Hang on, how do I say this? We need to be being changed always by the gospel. It's not enough to be changed. Life is always going to bring challenges and situations that require us to press into God, press into the gospel and be changed even more. You know, I caught myself thinking this week and I'm just going to... Uh, I caught myself thinking this week about that as well and how often I get... Um, I even get caught up in reading people's books where, where they were changed by God, where something awesome happened in their life. And, um, and then I, I, you know, I, I think, but that was ages ago. I want to read about this person. How is it still working? How, how is the gospel still changing him? And then I get convicted by myself because I think, you know, look, I've, you know, I've, I've, I met God and etc. I did my profession of faith or I've had this or that experience. But the challenge for me is how is it continually changing? Is it fresh? Is the gospel still changing me now? Is it still changing me? I'm, I'm convinced, and I don't think I'm alone here, but I'm convinced that not every part of my life is actually you know, under the Lordship of Christ. Who can say that? Because I want you to disciple me. You know, every part of your life is under the Lordship of Christ. And there's still things that God still needs to do in my life. Situations bring up parts of us that we realize have not yet been surrendered. Teachable moments, teaching moments. And so as I said earlier, we're doing this short season on change and how it affects our lives and the lives of God, lives of those God places around us, wherever that is. And we want to use some testimonies. We want to use some stories, some people to share how that's happening. People that have... Uh, have been changed and are living change in their community. That are being changed, even being changed by where God has called them and are bringing change to that place. So that's what I wanted Luke to share this morning. Luke's going to share for a little bit around this area about how change in his life and how the changing in his life is, is helping him making change in other people's lives. And then I'll jump up and wrap it up. So Luke, come on up. Okay, um, 
so I'd just like to share a little bit about some of, some of the things that Andrew has been talking about, um, but in my own life over in Uganda. Um, there are many challenges that we find in Uganda that Agnes and I face, and um, we feel like there is this constant growing and stretching of, of us while we, we do work over there. Uh, reflecting back on what started myself along this journey, um, it is apparent that God did a lot of healing in my life after bringing myself to him. Um, I know my story has been shared many times with this church congregation and, and most, well, a lot of people know that I come from a, a bit of a, rebe a rebellious background as a young man um, and coming out of a lifestyle of, of rec recklessness and drugs and alcohol certainly has helped fuel my passion for youth work now. Um, and also to come alongside young people in life now. But it is the current stretching and changing and healing that God has been doing over the recent years, which I wanted to focus on. Uh, I'm sure we can relate to a time that, you know, we got saved and, and perhaps there was radical change in our lives, as Andrew was, was talking about. And this is good and right to reflect on, and it reminds us where we came from, and it reminds us of where we're going. But it doesn't stop there. I'm sure many can relate that we also change and grow in the day-to-day -day slog of life. I'll call it a slog. And what I can say is that the last few months for Agnes and myself have certainly felt like a hard slog. Uh, often, Agnes and I feel like we are just trying to get through to the end of the day. Um, rather than, you know, worrying about a future vision. That's how it feels like a lot of the time for us. Um, but the Christian life is a life of constant change uh, because we're supposed to be growing in holiness towards uh, holiness in Christ up until the day, you know, we stand before him. And that's a, meant to be a continuous thing. Now, I readily confess to you all that some days in my life feel like I'm going a little bit backwards rather than forwards. I'm, Maybe you can relate to that. Uh, but if I take a step back and look at the bigger picture, often I feel this is a result of God growing and stretching me in a new area that, as Andrew was saying, has not been submitted to, to Christ's lordship. Often the stretching hurts, and often it brings out perhaps characteristics in me and behaviours in me, which I don't think are pretty. Um, but work, I can see that God is working in my life in, in ways, and it's necessary work. You know, I've heard it said before that if one is to pray for patience, don't expect God to give you a calm and easy situation to deal with, but quite the opposite. Uh, if you want to be a patient person, well, what better situation to have to be able to grow your patience than one that severely tests it? Uh, now, those of you who know me know that I'm a bit of a C.S. Lewis fanboy and I wasn't going to use an analogy today, but Andrew said that he was expecting me to, so <laughs> I'll do it just for Andrew. Um, yeah. <laughs> In one of his books, uh, Lewis kind of mentions how we are like a house that God is constructing. Uh, when we first get saved, God starts doing work on the obvious things, perhaps putting you know, new paint on or boarding up some rough patches. Um, these are the obvious things that, des that need to be dealt with immediately, you know, when we first come to Christ. But sometimes we can get to a point where we think we are quite well done now, thank you very much, and we would appreciate it if God would leave us to it from here. Um, 
But then God starts tearing down walls and smashing out rooms uh, that we were quite happy to leave intact. This is, uh, this is when God starts bringing in difficult situations to help us grow in areas that we didn't really realise up to that point that we needed growth in. The last year in Uganda has been difficult, I will, I will tell you that, you know. I feel I have had to grow and change, in a lot of, change a lot in the area of patience, um, needing to have grace towards other people, and also not always needing to be in control of situations. Uh, Agnes and I have had to deal with a wide range of things in the last year, whether it's having knocking at our door in the early morning, we have, a lot of, uh, we have a lot of knocks on our door during the middle of the night. Uh, this could be because maybe someone has passed away or a child is very sick or even domestic violence victims looking for shelter during the middle of the night. Uh, we have had to deal with relationship issues where people we know have done things that we know are wrong and sinful and we've had to deal with it. And then also dealing with our own feelings towards those people when they do things which we disapprove of. Uh, young people in our programs perhaps not showing up or following the expectations that we have for them. Also the constant requests for needs and, and wants that people have which never seem to end and can be draining to try and sort through where can we help and where will we not help. Um, and all of those things have stretched me a lot this year and, and again I'll confess that a lot of the times I haven't dealt with those things uh, maybe wisely or with patience. Um, and, but they have stretched me a lot, almost to the point of bad health and weariness, and I admit that I have not managed this stress very well, and I probably should take care of myself a little bit more. But all of this has been helping to change Agnes and myself. Uh, it, it teaches me patience, because I am, well, I am well aware now that solid change does not happen overnight. It's long and it's hard. It teaches me to have grace towards others, Although people do things which frustrate me, I am reminded of the gospel and my own need for forgiveness for my sin. And an important one, it teaches me that I'm not ultimately in control. It is common for me to dive right into a problem and try and work it out um, with my own hands and my head and do a bit of damage control. But when you realise that you are not ultimately in control and a stressful situation comes, it kind of has a funny way of driving you to your knees in prayer. If I'm not in control, then I need to be praying more and leaning on God more. I can honestly say that the daily dis disciplines of Bible reading and prayer have helped sustain me this year. If I didn't do that first thing in the morning to align my heart, I think I'd be a bit of a mess. <laughs> but all of these changes and stretching doesn't stop on me or with me. Um, I can feel in a sense they are there to help me to invest in people around me. Change doesn't stop with us but begins with us, it and it often flows out to other people. Now, I again freely admit that I'm not always the best at this, but over the long haul, I have been able to see change in certain people around me um, that I've been in contact with and I've been working with. One such person that I'd like to share with you now is a young man named Grace. Uh, when I met Grace, he had spent a life as a street kid uh, because his father abandoned him and his family when he was young. Uh, Grace was living in a little kind of shack, little house um, by himself because his mother's new partner was a strict Muslim and didn't want Grace around. Um, and so Grace was on his own. 
Over time, I developed a relationship with Grace and uh, I saw him going to school more, managed to get him a sponsor, um, which was, you know, so he's focusing more on his education. I encouraged him in his talents of dancing and soon enough we had a group of about 15 youth using dancing as an outreach in their community and Grace was predominantly the one leading this group. I saw Grace start attending more Bible studies and getting involved with church, which was great to see. But being a young man, but Grace being a young man who grew up fatherless, living on the streets with no discipleship or guidance in his life meant that change has also sometimes been slow with him. Uh, he, Grace has an old way of life that has always been the way he has survived um, and that he has been trying to grow out of that for a few years and so he still has you know, bad habits and sinful habits. One of these moments of weaknesses and failings in Grace came last year when he got a young girl pregnant. Um, I actually found out before Grace because the uncle to the young girl came to talk to me about it when they had found out because that uncle knew I was one of the, the people who was influencing Grace or, or you know, discipling Grace. Uh, interestingly, the uncle was certain that Grace would deny it, would deny that it was his child as that is the most common thing that happens many times in Uganda. He, he, won't, he won't accept that it's his, he'll run away and, and that'll be it. Uh, but I thought differently. I, I had known Grace for a year at that point, and I thought, I thought with a little bit of patience and guidance, Grace would be able to face this. Now, I could have gotten frustrated with Grace. I was frustrated with Grace. Um, and I could have got upset, and I could have told Grace to stop coming around our house and that he has failed and he has disappointed me. Um, but again, where would I have been if God gave up on me when things got messy in my own life? So by encouraging Grace that I would help guide him and face this issue with him, Grace had the strength to confess it was him who did this and that he would face the problem. He would face this situation that had, had arised. Um, you know, we talked about what he did was wrong and, and, and Grace already knew that and he acknowledged that. And he also understood that his life was going to change and most likely it's going to be a, a, quite a bit harder now as a result. Life is going to get hard. But we also talked about that God is not done with grace, that there is redemption in any situation that God wants to put his hands on. And already we have started to see this redemption in, in place. I mean, Grace confessed to his dancing group and to his friends about what he had done and that, that he was now facing fatherhood. And Grace told his, the group his feelings and that, you know, he, he just wanted to step down as the leader for a little bit just to work on his life and... As a result, the group started confessing and sharing their own problems and temptations, you know, a group of young, young guys. And we actually had this great time of praying over the other boys and helping them through their own issues. And if Grace had not owned up to what he had done, perhaps many of these other boys would not have the courage to share their own failings and, and their own areas that they needed help with in their own lives. Uh, Grace also faced the young family, uh, sorry, the family of the young woman to apologise to them and also to offer whatever support he could to the family. Um, and Grace has been also helping us at YSU working with our chickens over the last few months so he can earn a little bit of money which he has been giving to the young woman's family to help pay for the hospital bills. The baby was born in March this year, uh, Scott Taylor. 
and the family has allowed Grace to be able to make visits and to have an investment in the child's life, which we also thank God for. Um, they, they've been quite understanding. So often change can be hard and, and it can be messy. But if, if I look back, if I think God had not been working in my own heart and changing me in the areas of patience and, and having grace towards others and, and also submitting to Christ, then perhaps maybe I would not have invested so much in grace or given up on him. Um, perhaps maybe another little baby would be growing up in Uganda with no father taking responsibility for him. I remember Grace sharing with me one time that uh, Grace said that he had never had a father figure in his life because his own father never wanted to take responsibility. Another family member of Grace, whether it was an auntie of Grace, had told Grace that the cycle is just going to continue with you and, and said that, Grace, you're, just, you're going to be no good just like your father. Um, we talked about, and we talked about how God can break the cycles that we see in life. Um, in Christ, there is new life. And Grace does not have to abandon his own baby now. Although the situation that this child has been born into is not the ultimate design that God calls us to, God can still redeem and Grace can, can still be a father that is involved because of the change that has happened in Grace's life. God does use our own daily changing to help change others. And the changing doesn't end with us, it begins with us. Often change is hard and painful and tiring, but I think when we reach heaven, we are going to see the bigger picture. Uh, we're, we, we will connect all the dots and we'll get to see what God was doing all along. Thanks, Luke. And um, it really is amazing to see how God does that. And you know that... <laughs> Having a story isn't just um, isn't just Luke's privilege, is it? It can be all of our privilege, and I think just just like the Ephesian Church, One Hope Community Church. That's the people, the individuals, each one of us is there to bring kingdom change to our society and our community, and the people that we know, our families, our work environment. You know, like I said before, Jesus said it in, in Matthew and Peter said it, you know, that, um, that we were supposed to bring change. It wasn't going to be easy. In the Ephesian church, it wasn't going to be easy and they would need to stay in touch with God's work in their own hearts and lives. They would need to keep encountering Jesus and his life in them through the Holy Spirit. They would need to confront the unchanged parts in their lives that God, through the Holy Spirit, put his finger on and this changing would enable them to bear change in their world, in people's lives, right into the issues and struggles that they had in that culture. I think you're getting the connection between the Ephesian church and us. Moving people in following Christ means we want to be change agents in our families, in our culture, our world. And that's going to require, just like Luke talked about, it's going to require a process of change that's always happening in us. Uh, and, and you don't do that without being in, in contact with God. Allowing the truth of the gospel into our lives daily. 
you know, Luke talked about every morning spending time in the Word and, and, and reflecting and that that becomes the power to be able to, that becomes the place that you, you re-energize or the, the, the strength to do um, what's going what's to come at you in the day. We all have different days, we all have different challenges. But I dare to say now that the Word of the Lord is good enough for every single challenge, whether you're um, dealing with people in Uganda knocking on your door, whether you have an exam coming up, whether you have a big business decision to make, whether you have a deal that needs to go through. I believe that spending time in the Scripture every day gives you the strength to do each of those things. The challenge to redirect us. How else do we do that? Appreciating the good news of the gospel, the good news that my life is now in Christ through his death and resurrection, that I am a beneficiary of salvation and it was for something that I have had and do have something that can affect change in the lives of people around me, right where he places me. You know, and I wrote a line here, make no mistake, I can live where he puts me not doing that. I just was struck when I was doing this by the capacity I have to be where God has put me and not do all that, not be an agent for change. I, you know, I can just let it go over me. You know, we, we, we can do that, can't we? And, and that kind of scared me a little bit. You know, I can say that God placed me here, but I can allow that not to be. And, and that's disobedience. You know, God has placed every single one of us where we are and this church where it is because he's calling us to do something. And change, although it's hard and it costs and it's not comfortable and it's not culturally fitting, it's still necessary. You know, the, um, the changes that, that we see in Uganda through Luke and even through some of the things we do, they're not easy. And they're sometimes not comfortable. You know, and I talk to people here in our church, and young people particularly, but, but anyone, and, and we all want to make a difference. You know, you, I often say, and, and the, the young adults will tell you this, you know, I often say, look, you know, you aren't going to make a difference if you're not willing to be different. You know, the, the fallacy is that we all want to be, we all want to be noble and we want to make a difference, but we're not sure that we want to be too different. You know, it's even trendy now to make a difference. You know, young people and young Christians love stories like Luke's story and, and I was thinking of people like Shane Claiborne and, and some of the other things that we, you know, we love the stories of people that make these radical differences in the world. But we don't always want to be different because that's harder. We actually want to fit in. We want to assimilate and we want to talk about change and, and we want to talk about being different. We want to talk about influence. We sing about it and about being used by God and we talk about it in our churches and our small groups and life groups. And, but it's hard and, and it costs. It takes a sacrifice because you can't just say it or sing it or talk about it. God's calling us to actually do it. And sometimes it comes, like in Luke's situation, comes knocking on your door. You know, we're lucky. Our doors are kind of like at least 10 metres away from the driveway, you know. I was reading, I wanted to read this this morning, I was reading a blog this week and this uh, person that wrote the blog was reflecting on a couple of the lines of the song Oceans and <laughs> I made a joke with the youth band, I said, please don't do Oceans as a closing song, not after this, you know. 
She actually said the song's a good song, but there's a couple of lines in there that she just wanted to bring to the attention of the reader. And I'm going to read a little bit of what she wrote in there. And these are the two lines. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet would ever wonder, that my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. We know those lines. We've sung them here, right? Here's my problem, she writes. If you will ask the Holy Spirit to lead you where your trust is without borders, do you actually mean that? Because it could look like giving money away. Or it could like being kind to that person that no one else will talk to at a social event. Or it could be opening your home and your life to someone when you really don't want to or it's inconvenient. Or it could be standing up for your faith when it can cost socially or reputationally or even um, business-wise. Or it could be moving to a foreign country or to a less affluent neighbourhood in a smaller house or just moving to a different table at lunch. You see, you're asking God to take you where your trust has no borders. You know what that means? You have to leave your borders. Economic borders, geographic borders, religious borders, racial borders. Nothing in those two lines of lyrics is going to feel good when you're doing it. Think about that. We sing that easily, but nothing in there is going to feel good when you're doing it. You're singing with your hands raised high for God to make you uncomfortable. Then you feel the nudge, the nudge to buy a coffee for a homeless man or confess sin to, your small, to someone in your small group or share about something that happened in your past and you don't do it. I don't either. And every time I hear that song, I feel convicted for the way I sing it but refuse to live it. Do you get that? See, you and I are willing to sing the song on Sunday because it feels good, but will we move when the Spirit leads us on Monday? If it is deeper than your feet would wonder, it's going to be unknown and scary and uncomfortable. Do you know what it's like living outside of your borders? It's wild, it's unpredictable and it's dangerous. But also it's exhilarating and life-giving and exactly the kind of brave people God wants us to be. But if you're only singing the song and not living the life, Stop singing oceans, she finishes it with. Nothing wrong with the song. It was written with really good intent and she talks about that and there's really good stuff in there. But it makes you think, doesn't it? It makes you think when you go to church on Sundays when you sing, when you, when you read the word, when you, when you um, celebrate Lord's Supper and celebrate the change that God made in your life. And when you hear stories like Luke and, and, and you think about this, you realise, but it was supposed to go out from here and it may not be easy. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to let truth in. We need others, mentors, coaches, church community, family, life groups, grow groups, whatever. We need to, to have others around us and to ask for courage. I don't always have the courage to be a change maker. But it's actually our design and purpose. You know, I was reading a, um, an article a few months ago talking about what, what brings dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction comes, creeps in when you're not living your purpose. I wonder how much of our dissatisfaction in our life comes from not living the God-given purpose that we have to be change agents. So we need to step up and do it. We're called to move people in following Christ here and we can all do that, not just the leaders or uh, life group leaders or whatever. We can all do that at some level and at the place that we're at. As changed people, we're called to keep that change happening and to bring it to the world around us unashamedly. 
my question this morning, my question to me this week and my question to you is, how are you doing it? You know, we can nod assent and say, yeah, that's a really good thing. We should be doing that. But I've been asking myself the question. I want to ask you the question, how? Can you put it into words? How are you doing it? What does that look like Monday to Friday? Do you need help? Do you need prayer? Do you need ideas? What do you need? How are you doing it? How can we do it? And how can we do that together? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your word and for um, the encouragement that comes, but also for the challenge that comes through it. Lord, we want to thank you for salvation. We want to thank you for our destiny and our, our future, that it was changed at the cross. Jesus, that it was changed by the work that you did. That I no longer need to fear death, that I no longer need to be concerned about my destiny, that I'm, I'm changed. And Lord, I thank you that you keep changing me, that you love me just the way that I am, but you love me more than that. You, you love me too much to leave me that way. Lord, and I want to thank you that when you see me, when you see um, me as a changed person, when you see us as changed people, that you see us as change agents, as people that you want to bring change to the world around us. And we thank you for where we're able to do that. We thank you for the stories we read. We thank you for stories, Luke's story. We thank you for stories within our own church where we're seeing that happen. But Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, we, we ask you to do it more, to do it in all of us, to, to challenge us to be able to see where we can bring change where we can show people the gospel, new life, where we can celebrate with, with others the journey we, we have towards you. Lord, help us to know um, how to do that. Help us to, uh, to create and understand the discipline of, of getting into your word, of praying, of speaking with you, of understanding what you're saying to us of seeking and finding that equipping for life in your word and in you, whatever our life looks like, whether that's somewhere in the middle of Africa or whether that's here in Melbourne or wherever it is. Lord, and as a church, Lord, we, we recognize your call right where we are to be a, a community that changes the broader community around us, that brings life and hope it brings love and compassion and passion to those that we meet, to all of us in the community. Lord, use us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use us more. Show us how to do that more. Help us to step up more. Enable us to do that, I pray. And Holy Spirit, we just pray that even as we leave here this morning, it would be easy to, um, to set our minds on the next thing that's happening today or this week. Holy Spirit, I pray for lingering thoughts to stick to us, to stick in our minds, to challenge us and to remind us of what you've called us to this morning. Do that for each one of us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.